and girls we're back <laughs> and i warned you this week was coming i'm michael by the way seated over there is lou hi there and we have gathered together this week to tell you that even the earthly powers are subject to the almighty isn't that something isn't that something we warned you last week well i say we you know the, the, the royal we because it's me and all the other voices in my head that make some of these points oh, they have good ideas too <laughs> right some of them yeah sometimes they do sometimes they're like go back to bed that's brilliant so that's how it works. No, well, I warned you last week that we were going to do a bit of a dive into the idea of government. And the reason we're going to do this is because, let's just be honest, uh, we're in the United States. Hi, Illinois. And most of our listeners are in the United States. And, and we have a fairly big thing coming up next week. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have this little thing we do every four years called elect the apparent leader of the free world. I don't know who gave him that title or why he warrants it, but we are electing now. For all of our international people, like all half dozen of you, <laughs> mm-hmm. we love you. We appreciate you. I actually yes. enjoy looking at your numbers more than I do the ones from the United States, just so you know. But this is going to be valuable for you as well, simply because understanding a biblical foundation for how we view and understand government is vital. Right. So for the person who's been in Russia this month downloading our podcast hi might be a couple persons we have a handful of downloads there um you might want to be able to formulate a biblical foundation for what your government is supposed to be and how it is supposed to function they may not do so Mm -hmm. but it at least helps you draw the lines on where do i obey where do i follow and where do i say no understanding what the right role and scope of government is is helpful for our listener or two that's downloaded from Saudi Arabia, hi, we appreciate you too. Um, mm-hmm. You can do the same thing. I know your kingdom doesn't really function under this, but this might even be more applicable to you because the the form of government that the Bible actually addresses is the more royal form of government you actually live under yeah. as, a for, as opposed to the purely parliamentarian style of government that we live under. Yeah. So this is useful. This is helpful. We are going to try to distill this by doing something a little different than we normally do. Normally, we try to go through a Bible verse, make some quick application, kind of go through and make sure we have an understanding foundation, and then we dive into the topics through an apologetic and a worldview issue. We're throwing that slightly out the window today because what we're going to do is cover all of that as we walk through a Bible passage. So today is basically just going to be strictly biblical exegesis. So if we don't complete that assignment today, we're blaming Lou. He got us off track and chasing the rabbits, and that's, that's just how it's going to be because it can't possibly be my fault. Okay. There we go. But at least we caught a couple rabbits. Yeah. Exactly. They taste yummy, by the way. Yeah. Um, so if you would like to follow along in your Bible, we will be reading Romans chapter 13. We will not exclusively dwell there, but that is going to be our anchor text for the day, specifically verses 1 through 7. Now, Since I don't have them all right in front of me right now, but I have them in sequence based on my notes, I'm not going to read it all because that would involve too many sliding of pages. So we're going to read this through as we go. So let's start right off the bat. 
Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Oh, you said a mouthful there. I did. Uh, now, Christian, you must answer a very important question. Why? why? I don't like them. Right. It's like, hard for you to like, get your mind around like that, isn't who it? Who has ever liked their government? I know. They've always been the source of all evil. <laughs> You know, they won't let you do what you want. They won't let you keep your money. They And whatever. here is Paul telling you to obey. Well, mm-hmm. again, Christian foundations, not good citizen foundations, Christian foundations. Why should I be in subjection to the government? Well, Paul gives you a good answer to that in the previous chapter of the book of Romans in Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, and here's where it gets tricky, because that Greek word that means all, it, 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 it means all. <laughs> <laughs> Which means, as much as you are able, you should seek to live a simple life of peace. We've covered this before. Right. right. This is not a complicated process. Now, that just doesn't involve individuals. Yeah. That involves how you relate to organizations, world systems, and ideas themselves. So, what I mean by that is, look. I am a Bible-believing Christian that has been blessed with the opportunity and time to, to study the Bible and pour quite a bit of foundational knowledge into my brain. So there are a lot of things in life that I can take issue with from sure. a biblical point of view because yeah. we have a lot of things in this world that don't follow a biblical point of view. Yeah. Do I spend my life railing against all of them? You, no. you don't have enough time in the day for that. No, I don't. You, you just and don't. I would be one miserable sack of right. humanity, wouldn't I? That's right. Now, beyond just that, are all ideas equally dangerous? Not all. No. Not all. I need to deal with at the moment. Now, are ideas? Are there ideas that I want to get to eventually? Yes. Like right. I want to tackle that bad idea eventually. But you know what? That's not killing people right now. This one is. So I will leave you alone. Pretend you just didn't say that. Live at peace there because I have bigger fish to fry. Right. I can even be at peace with ideas, governments, systems. Like, I don't walk into Walmart trying to speak to a manager every five minutes. Why? I want to live at peace in Walmart. I want to live at peace in the grocery store. I want to live in peace in the traffic. I want to live at peace in all of these places. I'm suddenly turning Jamaican. I want to be in peace, man. I don't want to have to deal with these things. I want to be happy and joyful and not worry about these things in my life. All right. All right. Don't uh, ask me where that came where, from. I was going to say, where, where did we no go with that idea. one? idea. If you are Jamaican, I'm sorry. <laughs> We do have some Caribbean listeners. I apologize. That I, yeah, we're just going to go with pretend. We're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. And it's not just Romans that says this. First Thessalonians 5. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So we can't attack people who attack us. We well, you can't can, return but it's evil. just not good Christian behavior. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. That's that's a tough one, Michael. I mean, look at look at the world that we live in today. And oh, agreed. In the United States, you could be driving down the street, and next thing you know, there could uh, be people surrounding your car and beating on it and whatever. Um, what do you do? I mean, do you defend your life? Do you defend your family? If possible. Right. So right. far as it depends on you. Look, if you walk up and kick my wife... I didn't start the fight. Mm-hmm. You did. Right. If you walk up and attack my car that is housing my children, mm-hmm. I didn't pick the fight. You did. Right. This, this is the old hood adage. Mm-hmm. Don't start none. Won't be none. Won't be none. Right. <laughs> yeah, been there. I lived in that hood for a long time. but that That's I, the Christian mindset. And the reason I bring that up is because all too often people, they look at verses like this and they think that everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord is a pacifist. Jesus told you to get a sword. 
Jesus said, look, uh, we, you, you didn't carry a sword last time. You might want to next time. Yeah. I mean, this is, not, this is not new. There are places and times where we have to be able to say no. We have to be able to defend ourselves. We have to be able to protect ourselves. What we're talking about from the starting point is we are to be in subjection to the governing authorities because, and Paul's going to expand on this in a minute. We're getting there. But partially because we are to be the peaceful people. Right. And as long as I can live in peace with government edicts, I should. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that is not the only reason. Mm-hmm. So Paul continues, For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So this is easy. Where does power and authority in this earthly plane come from? From God alone. Yeah. From God. He is sovereign over all. Did, did God wake up and be like, they elected that guy? Yeah, I don't think he was surprised. Did they put that person in charge of parliament? That's who's on the throne now? That's who's running the Kremlin? Like, God is up there having a coffee break and a smoke, and like, what just happened? Yeah, they snuck one in on him, yeah. right? <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Right. God is in control, so and we, we need to come to terms with that. Exactly. And you have, again, this is, this is an Old Testament concept that Paul is carrying over. Proverbs 21, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. One of my favorite uh, passages in Scripture, Psalm 2. If you've never read Psalm 2, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Read Psalm 2. It's helpful. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the ruin and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart, cast away their cords from us. In other words, all the nations are plotting what? They're attempting to overthrow God. Mm-hmm. In the pantheon of dumb ideas, that might be like numero uno. That's got to be on the top right there. Right. So what is God's response? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. See, God doesn't have to worry about what you're doing in your country. Yeah. He's building a kingdom. He has installed these ungrateful rulers. He has installed these wicked rulers in some instances, or he has allowed them to be installed. He's not yeah. looking going, I can't believe these guys are sinning. Right. I mean, he knows. Yeah. And when they step out of line, they too are punished. Again, and this is where we have to remember, though, where is punishment ultimately dealt? This is not here and now. No. It's yeah, in eternity. Right. It's in the, hereafter. It's in the kingdom yeah. that he is building. Now, it is for this reason, the benchmark of Christian peace and the foundation of God's sovereignty is the reason why Paul is not alone in Romans 13. 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Well, he said a lot there. Yes, he did. Now, we're going to make a point that we're going to come back to because I think it's important because I, I can just see you guys staring at your phones getting angry with me. Peter and Paul have something in common, don't they? Other than the fact that they're apostles and they wrote books of the Bible. <clears throat> they both died as martyrs. Absolutely. Which means the two guys that I'm quoting telling you that say, listen to the government and obey what they command, at some point told their government, no. No. And they told their government no so forcefully and so loudly that the government killed them for it. Which means 
have Paul and Peter just laid out a blanket, unassailable, unequivocal command that must be followed at all times by all people in all ways? And the answer is no. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. The reason I know this is because they were killed for standing in opposition to what they just said. Right. Which is why we don't simply read Romans 13, 1. Remember the rule. Never, ever, 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 read a Bible verse. That's a lot of evers. Ever. Never, 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 never. You need invoke theology. Not this time. Never going to get it. No. Oh, man. Yep. Oh, yeah, we went there. We did. So let's see. I've quoted hood theology, invoke, <laughs> and I've done a Jamaican accent. You're on a roll today. We're not even 15 minutes in. All right. It's gonna, I told you it's going to be one of those days. So Paul continues. And I told you to come back to that idea because Paul doesn't come back to that idea immediately either. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. All right. Once again, I'll quote this again. In the pantheon of dumb ideas, warring against God has got to be, like, number one. Yeah. And what is Paul saying? If you resist the authority, the authority of the government, placed rightly by God, you are resisting the command of God. We have a rule for that. Don't do dumb things. Yes, that's dumb. And the rule is, don't do dumb things. Right, right. Well, this, is, this is not good. That shouldn't even have to be said out loud. I, I think it speaks to the heart of issues, though. If you don't like a person, that's no excuse to behave poorly. When, when you can obey the authorities because you attribute that authority to God himself, you are honoring both man and God in your actions, and when people see you living your life in such a way, it might inspire them to come and find out who you are serving. That's the idea, because who are we ultimately serving in our walk? What's our goal as Christians? We've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Go back and listen to old podcasts. It'll do you good. Our goal is to walk holy, Mm -hmm. to live sanctified lives. First Timothy 2. First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. There it is. See, living a quiet life, not just because I get to put my feet up in the chair and nobody bothers me, but because I'm doing it in godliness. He tells the Thessalonians in chapter 4, first letter, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Attend to your own business. Work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in need. He also tells Titus chapter 3. Remind them, that's the people of Crete, to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Again, as much as it depends on you, Mm -hmm. be at peace with all men and work hard and don't be uh, yeah. looking for for handouts from other people type thing I, I, and in a nutshell keep yourself busy so that you can't right. be worried about the problems of this world idle hands do what devil's workshop yeah so yeah. whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of god and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves Gee. see that's, that's warring against god does not end well for anyone Right. Anyone. He wins. Just like he's not taking a smoke break when your president is elected, or he's not taking a cigarette break when your king is installed. It's not like they died and slipped through the judgment counter. And he's like, oh, they got by me. Dag nabbit. I got to try harder on this. No. Every wicked 
deed will be exposed to the light. That's the punchline of Hebrews 4. That's the punchline of John chapter 3, Mm -hmm. is that God's righteous judgment will be done. We don't have to worry about justice here and now because we know we will have it in eternity. God's kingdom will be installed. His chosen king, who is Christ, will reign, and the wicked of the earth will be put under his feet. Simple, basic. Therefore, I don't have to war and fight. Once again, did I tell you there's never a time when you tell them no? I didn't say that. Paul and Peter didn't say that. And we're going to get to that. We're just we're just not there yet. You're working on it, yep. But in the meantime, your goal should be peace. <coughs> and my, Excuse me, sorry. There we go. My, my page won't scroll. Ah! All right, verse 3. For rulers, and here's where the worm begins to turn, so this is important. Rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. See, this is the goal of all living. But if you want a good example of this, when I was 16 and I got a driver's license, I drove like a demon. (laughs) To the point that even after I stopped driving like a demon, it has been, how old am I? Wait a minute. It's been almost 25 years. And it's almost in the last like 15, 20 years, I don't think I've had three speeding tickets. And to this day, because of that experience when I was 16, if I drive by a police officer on the highway... I freak out, take my foot off the gas, and my heart rate jumps up. Oh, wow. Because I'm waiting for him to turn around and pull me over, and I'm like, for what? I didn't do anything. I paid all my taxes. I used my turn signals. I'm not speeding. You're being a good boy. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do anything. What what is he going to come do? And they drive right by me, and I say, decades I have been doing this. Multiple decades. And I'm still telling myself, what are you? Like, I watch him in my rearview mirror, making sure he doesn't turn around. It's like, I didn't do anything wrong. What's he going to come get me for? See, I shouldn't have fear. Because I haven't done anything wrong. I have committed no evil in that regard. That's the Christian's mindset towards government. This should be the Christian's mindset towards everything. I don't get attacked because what? I'm doing what is good. Let's go back to Peter in 1 Peter 2. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts. This is back to your point. Keep yourself busy and don't worry about what the world's doing. Mm -hmm. Which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. See, in other words, what accusation are they going to bring? Who is there to find fault? There is... No one. Yeah, they'll be ashamed to bring an accusation against you if you're living your life right. That should be the idea. So Paul continues, verse 4. For it is a minister of God, talking about that authority, that governmental authority, a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now, this is important. I told you this is where the worm would begin to turn. This mm-hmm. is the turn right here. Based on that, what is government's job primarily? To enforce the law, right? Not just enforce the law. There's a, there's a weightier concept that Paul is describing. Mm-hmm. Not just the law, because let's be honest. Can secular governments impose bad laws? Absolutely. Yes. That's why our starting point Even the earthly powers are subject to the Almighty. Mm -hmm. The goal of government is not just to enforce the law. It is to enforce justice, to enforce righteousness. 
That's the government's job. They don't bear their sword on their own authority. They bear it on whose authority? God's, yeah. God's it's authority. It's interesting how they get no, they, they have no excuses. They're, they have to toe the line and, and make sure that justice and, and, and righteousness are meted out properly. So, so go back to my bad example. So I'm not speeding, and the cop swings around and, you know, rolls up on me in bad 1950s movie style and goes, I pulled you over because you got a taillight out. <laughs> no, I don't, and he cracks my taillight. You do now. Yeah, you do now. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not just. Right. God will bring that act to judgment. Yep. That is an abuse of power. That is an unjust ruler, and God's kingdom will set that right. Right. Now... That's not much comfort when you're in the moment angry. But right. Christian... We want justice now, don't we? We do. But Christian, our goal is to constantly train ourselves to look past the now, to look to the other, to live for the kingdom. Where is my life? It is hidden with Christ on high, and when he is revealed, I will be revealed in glory. I am not to live for the here or now, to, so, to forsake these things. That was Colossians 3, by the way. I'm to not hmm. long for the things of this world, 1 John 2. I'm to live for another kingdom that Revelation describes. So go back to your Old Testament, though. This is a connected concept. So, uh, Psalm 62. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Hmm. That's and that's good. why... And that's why he upholds his justice, because he has given the government this authority. Once again, when government abuses that authority, it's not because God was taking a coffee break. Right. And now he's like, wait a minute, I can't believe they did that. He will judge that. He will bring that about. Uh, read Habakkuk. Read the condemnations in Isaiah of the foreign nations that have raised their hand against Israel. Amos as well. Amos does the same thing. Yep. You have a constant refrain that, well, they're doing all this bad stuff. And God's answer is, yeah, and I will deal with them. You worry about who? It's you. You, yep. you worry about your life. <coughs> you worry about your sin. So this is a good little hinge point because based on what has been said so, so far, you could, you could, I think you'd be wrong, but I think you could make the argument that Peter and Paul have told you that to disobey the governing authorities, to break their law, is sinful. Like I said, if you stop here at verse 4, I think you can make that argument. So that's why I said we're going to take a little hinge point. Yeah. What about the, the what about stuff from your Bible? And I, I pulled a couple of examples. You could probably pull some more if you'd like. Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh commands the midwives to do what when the Hebrew boys are born? Yeah, kill them. Throw them into the, yeah. throw them into the river. The midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the boys live. That's interesting. So they said no. And not only did they say no, but they concocted some cockamamie story about Hebrew women. Being just, strong. Just, yeah. They just give birth too quick before yeah. midwives even show up. Yeah. Which my question would be, then why are there midwives? Like if the Hebrew women don't right. need the midwives, why are there midwives? It's like it's an the, obsolete job that's sprung that, up out of nothing. And the fact that they worshipped all kinds of deities in Egypt, and yet it records that they feared the God of Israel. They don't say the God of Israel, but Sorry about that. My microphone was misbehaving. Ah, nope. Hang on. Oh, boy. It's trying, to, it's trying to act up. I apologize for everyone's ears that just did that. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. That's why I have my little feedback speaker to let me know stuff. Sorry about that. Um, if you don't like the Exodus example, though, we have more. Ooh, we do. We have more. Yep. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. 
I say that every time because I bothered to learn their names in Hebrew and memorize them, so I have to, be, I have to show off that I've done that by doing that. So anyway, yeah. they replied to the king. Remember, he's told them what? Bow down to the statue or into the fiery furnace you go, right? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. This is my favorite verse in all the Bible. Mm-hmm. If anybody ever asks me, this is my favorite verse in all the Bible. This is it, huh? But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It's my favorite verse. That is awesome. You can throw us in the fire if you want. God can save us. And, he- and even if he doesn't, no. He literally threw them in the fire. Well, he literally did. Yes. Well, now, again, if you stop reading Romans 13 at, cha- at verse 4, you could say, well, he should have. They sinned. Mm. They violated the king's command. Joshua chapter 2 is another good one. The king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have, en- who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they went or where they're from, it came about when it was time to shut the gates at dark that the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax which she had laid in the roof. Now, all of these people, examples in your Bible, of people disobeying government authority. Once again, we have a consistent revelation with a Holy Spirit-inspired author in all of these books, Romans, 1 Peter, Exodus, Daniel, Joshua, all of these, Holy Spirit inspired. Same Holy Spirit wrote all of these things. So did the Holy Spirit contradict himself when all these people contradicted the government just to have Paul and Peter say, no, don't contradict the government, only to have Paul and Peter die because they contradicted the government? They're not contradicting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think one of the things we need to consider is that God is king over all kings. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Anyone put in power here are like uh, under kings. You know, yes. they are not the king of kings and the lord of lords. It, would you like a practical example of this? I would. Nuremberg trials. Okay. World War II. Yeah. Executing the Nazis because we decided we were doing that. All the underlings that fired the ovens in the concentration camps, that committed the atrocities, you know what their defense was every single time? <laughs> well, they told me to do it. They made me do it. I was just following orders. Right. And why did we hang them? Because that's not good enough. Why? Rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. The government's role is not to uphold the law. It is to uphold justice and righteousness. Not earthly standards, but heavenly, godly, eternal standards. That's interesting. This is why every successful military has somewhere in their military code of ethics and law that if you receive an unjust order, you are duty and honor bound to say no. no. In the United States, if a police officer is given an unjust command, he is not just duty bound, he is honor bound to say no. It's required by his code of justice, by his code of ethics. Notice the language that I'm using. I don't just want to be duty-bound in these instances. This, is a, this, this goes back to a military standard. You are honor-bound. This is why in our country, what law are our elected officials supposed to uphold? In the United States system, 
It's not the law code that you can't even read because it's 7,000 books long. They're to honor and uphold the Constitution of the United States mm -hmm. from all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic, which yep. means there may come a time when your neighbors are the enemy. Your job is to uphold what? What is righteous mm -hmm. and what is just. It's interesting the way you, you touched on that subject. I think we're seeing some of that in our, in our country today. The, you know, the domestic violence that we're having in our streets today, they're supposed to defend us. Yes. And have they done a very they're good job not. at that? They have not. And the reason they're not is because what are you seeing in our society? You're seeing a warped view of what is righteous and what is just. And we're seeing a shift, I think. I think we're seeing things that we know are morally good and righteous, and the shift is switching and calling them things that are morally good and righteous evil. Well, and this is the problem. You get this in Romans 1 and Isaiah 5. Mm -hmm. Woe upon a culture that says what? That calls evil good and, and good, good evil. evil. Isaiah says that specifically. Romans 1 hints around it a little bit where yep. Paul talks about they want the hearty approval and then they give it to those who do the same evil acts. Yep. Any culture that is descended into madness will demand that you praise their evil. That's right. And when you refuse, that will be called evil. Yes. That's a broken, godless society. You have a duty to tell that group of people no. You have a duty to stand in godliness. And if the government goes along with them, here you go, you have a duty to tell that government no. You have the moral obligation and duty to God to say, no, I will not do this. I will not go that far. And Paul continues on that, and this is why I told you this was a good hinge. Verse 5, Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. And Paul just threw a whole monkey wrench in there, didn't he? Mm -hmm. <coughs> Turn my mic back on. I mean, he threw a complete problem in here. What is your conscience guided by as a believer? should be by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. This yeah. is why Paul could tell the Ephesians, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Your standard is given by whom? God alone. By God and God alone. Who measures that standard? He does. Yeah. Who determines it? He does. Yeah. Who enacts it? He does. There is no change. There is no variation. No shifting shadow. I think they wrote that down somewhere. <laughs> they didn't. They should have. Yeah. Now, this standard is ours. Hebrews 4. The Word of God, your Bible, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Mm. It, the Bible will give you your guide. Why do you think I'm always telling you to read it? It will do you good. Because if you, the reason why your Bible will do you good, that's not just some fun catchphrase. It's something that is useful because if you are living righteously, your Bible will encourage you to continue in that manner. It will point you in the right directions and show you how you are succeeding and how you will continue to succeed. If, however, you are living unrighteously, your Bible will reveal that sin. The Holy Spirit will then use that truth to cleanse you of that unrighteousness and set you upon a path of godliness. Your Bible aids your daily walk. Hence the reason why we say, read your Bible, it will It'll do, do you, you good. good. You need this. This is the hard work day in and day out that the Christian must do. Would you like to have a fully formed Christian worldview on government? Read your Bible. Would you like to have a fully formed worldview of how the Christian should interact with culture? 
Read your, Read your Bible. Bible. Would you like to know how to raise your family? Read your Bible. Would you like to know how you should act as an employee? Read your Bible. Would you like to know how you should act as an employer? Read your Bible. This is the evaluative work, if that's not a word, it is now, of the Christian in daily life. This is your Romans 12. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to do what? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Mm. This goes back to the same point. Be busy. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, pray tell, should I do that? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you don't like the Romans 12 version, go read it in Ephesians 4. Paul summarizes it slightly different, but it's the same argument. Be grounded in the word, be built up and guided by the spirit so that you will walk in godliness in, according, in an according way. Right. This is how we should do this. And that, this is where people get annoyed with me, that the main steering mechanism that the Holy Spirit uses in this instance is your conscience. Yep. You just have that, oh, that's not right. Well, how do you know it's not right? I don't know yet, but I'm working on that. Right. I, just, I just know immediately my gut reaction is, that's not right. And you know that. Every time you have ever sinned, you have known it was wrong when you did it, and you did it anyway. You ignored right. your conscience. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that people don't have seared consciences and no longer do that. It makes nope. that clear. Nope. Hold on. There we go. Okay. The microphone's misbehaving again. Sorry about that. I did it again. I'm trying to fix it. Oh. However, if you're asking yourself, man, I, I don't know, this is this doesn't seem right, you got to listen to that voice. That it's leading you to follow God rather than after the things that the world is doing. And that should be the exact thing yeah. because, again, this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is how he operates and what he functions in. This is how he guides. Now, I, I read you my favorite Bible verse. Right. I'm going to read you my favorite church history quote Uh-oh, because it lines with this. Oh, from Martin Luther. Everybody's favorite uh, Lutheran monk. Because hmm. <laughs> there's only ever been one in history, I think, when you actually get down to it. One Lutheran monk? Yeah, one Lutheran monk. Because okay. he was a monk and yeah, he was the founder of Lutheranism. Well, he wouldn't like that he was the founder of Lutheranism, but we'll blame Melanchthon for that. So, since your most serene majesty, this is when he basically said, recant your books. You're going to, you know, you're a heretic, we, we see it. Since your most serene majesty and your high mightiness require of me a simple, clear, and direct answer, I will give one. And it is this. I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the Council because it is clear as noonday that they have fallen into error and even into glaring inconsistency with themselves. If then I am not convinced by proof from Holy Scripture or by, con- or by cogent reason... If I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's word, I neither can nor will retract anything, for it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I can do. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. In yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Try to, I need to move this closer because I'm losing my lines. Yes, that's the big part, you know. The, this, the Holy did, Spirit and God worked he, in him. and His brain just won't let him say yeah. that I can reject all of this. It just won't. I mean, think about it. He was in front of people who wanted to take his life, and all he had to do was recant everything he said, yeah. which was obviously impossible for him to do because they were going against even their own better judgment. They were going against the Scriptures. They were 
Oh man, yeah, this this is a really good. Yeah, he really nails good quote. it. Yep, he, he nails, nails it. it. You have a conscience, Christian. Yep. You too have a have the Holy Spirit guiding you. Listen when he speaks. Listen when he guides. This is again why you form your worldviews based on the foundations of Scripture, so that when you're when you're having these moments of of battle, you can actually look and say, "No, I see what's wrong, and I know." You're not in turmoil with yourself. You're in turmoil with the outside world. Not because you have sought the fight, but because they have sought the fight. So, Paul anticipates an argument based on all of this, and he answers it. Verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. So here you go. Taxation in and of itself is not theft. It is biblically mandated. But, 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 they don't use my tax money for good things. Take it up with them. In the meantime, pay your taxes. Right. Even if you don't like it, pay your taxes. <laughs> I'm not telling you to like it. I'm telling you to war to change the evil thing that your government is doing. Governments have the right to tax when they use it to accomplish their goals, which again is to what? What is the goal of the government? To uphold righteousness. Anything beyond that, not their job. But here's again the thing, Christian. Find me the apostle that went to war to change his government. And I don't just mean like he took up a sword. I mean he went to spiritual battle to change his government. He lobbied. He went to the Senate. Just, just, just find me one in church history. Go ahead, I'll wait. Because I won't be here a while. <laughs> they didn't care. Yeah. Why for they no care? Hmm. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right. What's their commission? to make disciples. Well, the government made that complicated sometimes. They made disciples. Well, the government tried to stop them. Then they died making disciples. The government told them not to do that. They made disciples. The government tried to tax them for crossing the bridge. They paid the tax and they made disciples. Yep. See, we, we are too comfortable here. We are way too comfortable here. We have too much stuff too much time and too much money to the point that when we lose the least little bit of it, we just fly off the handle. See, this is Paul's warning, 1 Timothy 6. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Yeah. You know what the lie of the world is? Well, if you just paid less taxes, you'd be happier. If you well, paid less taxes and the government didn't do that stuff with your money, you'd be so much happier, and you'd do so much more stuff with it. Yeah. Well, it seems like... Christ himself had something to say about this. He said, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and unto God what belongs to God. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. And that's the argument Paul makes in verse 7. Render to all what is due them. Yeah. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Yeah. And that's a great example because why did Jesus give that example? Whose picture's on the coin? Right. Caesar's picture. Yeah. Whose coin is it? It's his. It's his coin. So if he says paid in taxes, you paid pay in taxes. In taxes. And you deal, because we will all survive this, because this is how it works. Isaiah 10, Woe to those who enact evil statutes, and to those who constantly record unjust decisions, so as to deprive the needy of justice and rob the poor of my people, or uh, to rob the poor of my people of their rights, so that widows may be their spoil and that they may plunder the orphans. See, God says, woe to them that do this. That doesn't mean you take up arms, it means who will take up arms. It'll be God. God will. He'll deal with this. In the meantime, what do we do? We make disciples. Yeah. Starting with you, starting with your household, working out, making disciples. Why? Because our 
day of justice will come. Deuteronomy 32. Vengeance is mine and retribution in due time. Their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. That was Moses' warning from God towards Israel. Don't worry. God has got this. So. This teaches us to trust in the Lord. That's the idea. That, that's, this teaches us patience and teaches us how to trust. Teaches us to come to Him in all things, whether you're uh, uh, experiencing excess in your life, you're highly favored and you're blessed, and, 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 and whether you're a slave or whatever, whatever the situation is, you're being mistreated. God is always there. Exactly. We need to, we, we need and to remember that. as much as it depends upon you, mm-hmm. be at peace with all men. Right. So our goal should not be to be experts in the government. Our goal should not be to be experts in their evil and their iniquity. When we know about it, what should we do? Follow in John the Baptist's footsteps. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. They cut his head off for it. They put him in prison. Yeah. Did John's followers take up swords and go free him? No. They said they put John in prison. What do we do now? Make disciples. Yeah, we carry on. We don't. The, the movement doesn't stop when a martyr, when somebody is martyred for it. Welcome to why we're talking about simple, easy lives. What Paul talks about. Because if I'm doing this, if I'm living my life quietly and at peace, seeking to make disciples of the people I encounter, I don't have time for a lot of this other stuff, and I don't have to worry about a lot of this other stuff because it works itself out. Because I know right. that God will carry me safely down the path He has laid out for me, and He will deliver me at the end. And if someone unjustly kills me or wrongs me or takes from me along the meantime, he'll handle that too because he handles all of these things. So when the government commands, I follow along until it reaches the point that the government says, no, I've got a different line for you to cross. And then you say what? No, that is neither just nor righteous and I will not consent. I just will not consent. Yep. Just won't do it. You can't make me do that. And they may try, but know that they can't and know that the Holy Spirit will gift and he will empower for the need of the moment when the moment comes, not before. So there you go. Hopefully that is helpful. That is a walkthrough of Paul's explanation on how to live with your government, how to actually think through and make the line. Now notice, I did not tell you exactly where that line is. You know why? Because I don't know. I don't know. And neither do you. You know when you will know? When the Holy Spirit's in the back of your brain going, nope, this is the line. This is where we draw. This is where you tell your government no. Right. And it may be over money you owe them, and it may be over something they want you to do. I have no idea. You will. And when that conscience comes along, know this, that there will be Christians that agree with you, and there will be Christians that disagree with you. Yeah. You are not to answer to them. You are to answer to God. So if you can explain from Scripture why you're doing what you're doing, and you can stand before him with a clear conscience saying that you are honoring him and following his commands, then you will be blessed, and don't worry. Paul did it, and he told them no until they cut his head off. Peter did it, and they told him no until they crucified him upside down. You stand in good company when you stand according to your conscience on the word of God. Yeah, that's good. All right. So what have we learned today, children? God is the sovereign ruler, not anybody else. And he is so good. Government is not all-powerful. They answer to someone else, that sovereign ruler we just mentioned. And Christian hope is in God's kingdom, not this world. All right. Questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. We'll answer. We'll find them all. 
You can find helpful links and resources there. You can link to the church, Calvary Baptist in Rockford, Illinois. Hi, guys, which if you're not in church already at that time, you're welcome to join us, 1030 Central Time. Uh, on Podbean app is the only place you can live stream it or you can find it posted with the podcast wherever it is you listen to us. You can follow along and keep up. We go through all sorts of good stuff, and we do stuff like this on a regular basis. Yes. It's fun. So anything else? No. Nope. Then until we meet again, which is going to hopefully be next week to talk about (laughs) the expanded topic here, which would be the sovereignty of God, which will be fun. Be a good reminder after the election. A good little deep dive into making sure we understand who God is and exactly how he rules this place. So until then, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.